Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Respectfully Disagree. Today we're going to talk about teenagers and whether they should be held accountable for their online behavior. So we're going to look at a whole range of things from how teenagers interact with adults to how teenagers interact with each other and when there's bullying involved to how we look at teen icons or teen activists. So to start off with, um, let's talk about what kind of set us thinking about this whole thing, which was the actor Shivam Patil claiming that he'd been bullied by a 14-year-old girl on Instagram. I have no context for this because I was tuned out on the weekend from Twitter. So will someone give context? This is Shishti, your host, by the way. Hey, this is Aditi and I uh, went through uh, all of Twitter and Instagram and suffered the resultant brain damage required to bring you context today. So uh, here's what happened. Shivam Patil is an actor and he's also quite famous for being uh, Faye D'Souza's reply guy. So he's always, whenever Faye posts news, this guy's always there in the comment section talking about like his views, with, which are fairly reasonable and responsible. So nobody really paid him that much attention. But then there was this other drama going on about... Uh, how uh, a lot of uh, meme pages on the internet had a lot of opinions uh, that weren't very ideal. So a lot of people started talking about why you shouldn't really trust these meme pages. And one of the people who was talking about it talked about Shivam Patil, who was also like a page. And uh, they mentioned the fact that Shivam was a bit creepy to, the young, to a lot of young girls who were speaking to him. And Shivam started a page called Misandry, like a set of Instagram highlights, sorry, called Misandry, where he started talking about how all the women who were, uh, all the women who were accusing him were basically uh, being abusive or gaslighty. So one girl basically responded to his Misandry highlight and said that, uh, hey, Misandry isn't really a thing. That's debatable. Like, I think that's debatable. But she said, it's not really a thing. And you shouldn't really start, uh, you shouldn't really take these criticisms so seriously and stuff. He reposts that. I'm not sure if he knew that this was a 14 year old, but then he basically says that I've been gaslighted by this person into believing that the abuse I'm suffering, the misandry I'm suffering is not real. This brought up a lot. And then we everybody found out that this was a 14 year old because a 14 year old talked about it on Twitter. Therefore, <laughs> everybody suddenly started talking about why it's really irresponsible adults to talk to teenagers whether adults or teenagers should who should be held responsible and how much and in what percentage and whether teens should be accountable for what they say and who they bully on social media even though the most bullying that happened in this situation is just saying misandry isn't real so yeah that's what happened wow that is a lot of context and it sounds like a parody world story which is i guess where we are now but you know one thing that i found really interesting in this whole thing was the fact that he didn't know whether this person is 14 or not and i feel like that's a very important context setting for how the internet works like most of the times you don't know the age of the people who you're interacting with so i don't think an adult should be talking to a teenager on social media in general like i don't think that is necessary unless it's like just uh, informative and very public and in a very like question answer sort of like uh, this is an adult and this is a teenager and this is it sort of situation i don't think adults should be in teenagers dms i don't think teenagers should be in adults dms but Aditi, how do you maintain that boundary, right? In a in a world where like everybody's leading these social lives in digital spaces, I don't know how you would ever effectively do that. You'd have to build an entirely separate social network just for teens, but then they wouldn't want to use it, <laughs> right? I mean, half of these 
teenagers are lying about their age to sign up for these social media accounts anyway. So, I mean, yeah, I agree with Carla in the sense that I don't think there is any way to draw that line or kind of prevent teenagers from talking to adults online or vice versa. Like that would that, that would require like, I don't know, 24-7 surveillance and that we know should not happen when we're looking at like teens as a sexual, like free expression online. But what I would say is maybe when adults do find out that it's a teenager they're interacting with, just like don't take it so seriously like with Shivam Patil um like he I mean he found out like quite early on that it was a 14 year old person even then he kind of doubled down on the oh like anybody who says that a 14 year old can't bully a 30 year old is ageist and stuff like that so I'm like dude it's a 14 year old like just chill out like Okay, so this is somewhat reminding me of, I forget which episode it was, um, a previous episode of Respectfully Disagree, where we were talking about punching up and punching down. So in this instance, I'd have to say my position is that, you know, the adult should not be punching down to a teen. Like that just seems completely unacceptable. But the teens punching up I am completely fine with. I don't like this idea that we say that, you know, teens don't have a right to engage in social discourse, that they don't have a right to try to lead interesting online lives where they think about issues deeply, where they talk to others online. Like I, I'm not of the sort of scaremongering mindset that like any teen who is online is about to be a victim of some horrible, you know, cyberbullying or, you know, or or stalking or some some sort of, you know, some some untoward behavior by an adult. I think teens having rich online lives is something that we should sort of encourage and think is healthy and fine. Yeah, in this moment I agree with you, Carla and Aditi. Apologies. I disagree respectfully. Okay, one big question, which is that do you think that the way in which social media has evolved has led to more of these like adult and teen interactions in, in like very weird spaces? Like we know there's cyber stalking, cyber bullying, doxing, all of these kinds of new ways of interacting, which has led to new transgressions, which we haven't really seen before. So one of the major ways in which this happens, uh, and we see that in pop culture also is revenge porn. It's also called erotic extortion. So like research shows that children as young as eight years old are vulnerable to revenge porn. Uh, and essentially it's when like somebody shares like a nude photo or like, a compromising image of yourself on social media without your consent. So I remember like sex education was the last time that I saw something like this play out. Uh, Aditi, do you remember what that was? So uh, I think this, uh, I think the episode you're talking about is vagina in which uh, there's a photo of a vagina that's sort of circulating around the school, like a photo of a vulva, okay? And a lot of people have lots to say about the vulva and nobody really knows whose it is. But then a lot of people are uh, talking about like passing on the blame to each other. There's a lot of people who are uh, either trying to take the blame or like deflecting the blame. And so obviously the protagonists get out to solve this. And towards the end, there's a very beautiful thing happens where somebody stands, like the real owner of the vagina and Valva uh, stands up. This is, uh, I think, Ruby, the, yeah. the character. She stands up and she basically says, it was my vagina. And then everybody else also stands up and says, no, it was my vagina. So it's like this very sweet way to sort of protect a girl from dealing with the ba- negative yeah. effects of revenge porn. That's so- what happens. Yeah, and so like it's really interesting that episode because in that like 
that eye captain type scene sorry uh, in that eye captain i wait what is it i i captain right like the yeah in that i uh, i captain like scene the perpetrator uh, who does the like the who does share like ruby's uh, like vulva photo she also stands up and says it's my vagina so that episode was really nice because it did not um like focus on blaming or shaming or punishing the person who has done this because that person is also a teenager um and what what the episode focuses on is how to make a create an environment in which ruby is comfortable and you kind of remove the stigma or the shame associated with being able to say that hey okay this is me this is my photo what are you going to do about it um and so you know in pop culture like whitney cummings i remember there was a time when uh, she was doing like an instagram live from her phone um and accidentally for like one second uh, like we could see her breast in the photo but some person who was watching the instagram live like took a screenshot and then started like you know put, putting it around what whitney cummings did was essentially just posted that photo on her own twitter and owned it right so as soon as you own something like this you remove the stigma around it completely but the problem is that teenage you can't expect teenagers to do that because like you know they are in like usually like educational institutions where they are like you know talking to their peers the, all the time and they want to kind of like they are still concerned with what their peers think of themselves um as are a lot of adults also um and it's it's like hard to own your body when you're still kind of trying to figure out how it works yeah i mean i i think this is really complicated because adults tend to like go into a total panic anytime that teens like lead these rich independent lives particularly when they're sex lives right like adults seem to be very uncomfortable with that the truth is is that teens are leading more and more of their lives online and that they are potentially engaged in sexual relationships with people who they are communicating with you know age appropriate people let's say um who they're communicating with online and so i mean i was i was listening to actually the sexting episode of your wrong about the podcast that we reference like almost every episode of ours but um so they had uh as a guest on that podcast for for that episode they had um a uh, a sociologist who studies like the sexting panic in the US and basically like the conclusion of her research is that um like educators and parents and adults are so freaked out by kids having these like sex lives and engaging with each other about issues around their sexuality that there are all these laws and rules and regulations put in place to sort of protect kids from it but it ends up ensnaring a lot of kids who are just having normal like consensual relationships with each other i mean it's interesting that you bring that up kala because i think that also complicates one very important aspect of this which is like consent with respect to how teenagers behave online and rajiv it was interesting that you brought up that ruby example to say that you know we shouldn't really hold teenagers accountable in that sense but more make them aware of like the systemic problem with something or like jointly confronting that right but in setups like these do you think that this idea of consent becomes more complicated with uh teenagers interacting with each other right like legally and well ethically we have certain understandings of like okay below 18 a teenager can't do whatever can't drive can't drink can't have sex can't do all of these things but other things you know might be okay like if you're if you're sharing like a 
protest poster online we won't have a problem with that or if you're putting out your opinion online i mean we don't have a problem with that um how do some of these things complicate this idea of consent like i always feel like there's a bit of a dichotomy where we recognize agency and where we say we don't we totally as a society have not decided how much autonomy we actually want to give teenagers and it's super interesting right so you can't in most societies around the world you can't like consent to go to war if you're under 18 right to like go fight and die in a war you can't consent to even making your own healthcare decisions in most countries there are very few countries that will allow children under 18 to make their own healthcare decisions there's so much that you're considered basically not capable of consenting to including sexual activity right and so to say that like you are so childlike that you don't have the capacity to consent to these things in our societies but yet you should be held responsible for your online behavior is very tricky it's so condescending right i think it's it's like a way to kind of rob teenagers of their agency and i mean I, like you know there's this trope that oh the teenage rebellion and this and that i i mean i'm sure that it's a thing but most of, most likely it's a response to how like adult street teenagers who now have a certain like kind of power over their agency and stuff um being disregarded like at every step of the way like okay you can't have sex at like 17 and 364 days 17 years and 364 days but then you can have it at 18 and whatever like overnight you don't become more responsible right so it doesn't make any sense to me Rajvi you're right except for I would just like to say that I personally was a complete idiot as a teenager and I'm thrilled that there was no opportunity at the time I was a teenager for me to spout all sorts of nonsense because I would have wanted to take it all back right so I don't know I mean I there's also an ev- a personal evolution that starts when you start exploring and pushing boundaries when you're a teenager where you end up in your opinions and your ethics and your politics and everything at age you know 30 is usually dramatically different from where you start at 15 there is really interesting explanation i was reading about uh, teenagers and uh, why they're basically the way they are uh, so i think neurologically teenagers uh, are suppo- are supposed to be a lot more self centered and are supposed to not really be able to understand the clear implications of their decisions right like for example you mentioned a teenager sharing a protest photo online the teenager is going to do it and but they're not going to be able to work out or like clearly think about the implications of uh, potentially being arrested say but the problem is the most fascinating bit about this was that your frontal lobe doesn't really develop until you unless you're in your mid 20s so like it's really weird that we sort of have radically different ways to treat people in their early 20s and radically different ways to treat people who are essentially teenagers like for example i'm 23 i don't have a fully developed frontal lobe technically by virtue of this assumption but i am treated very differently as compared to like a 16 year old there there was a really um famous case in the states a few years ago where um there was so this is two teenage girls two under age under 18 girls and one was bullying the other one uh online so much and harassing her so much and the um the girl she was harassing eventually committed suicide and so the reason that this became like a big famous case that everybody was talking about is that the harasser was prosecuted for her death And so the question there became like is it possible to essentially cause someone's death by 
you know, by harassing them so much? And can somebody who's under 18 be held accountable? How would you ethically, morally, how do you handle this? Like if somebody basically emotionally tortures someone else to the point where they are pushed to that, you know, to the brink, then what, what do you, what do you do with their behavior? That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't like punishment again, like doesn't solve anything. Right. Like I was thinking of boys locker room that happened, you know, like right now where a bunch of teenage boys had this Instagram chat where they kind of rated women and they said like lewd things about like teenage girls and stuff. Um, and then one of those girls, I think, uh, found out about it. And uh, it was like a whole three day debacle on social media where uh, those boys were like the names of those boys were out, like the screenshots were out, like all the feminists kind of gathered uh, to be like, how dare these boys, this, that, this, that, whatever, the misogynistic, whatever, like all kinds of insults and everything out and about. And only a few, I think a choice few were like, these are teenage boys. Like in that moment, I don't think punishing those boys was like a good idea. And I think there was a suicide that is allegedly related to how much the boys then got harassed on social media. Um, and we still don't know what was done for the girls, by the way. Like, we don't know how they were helped, um, aside from just kind of uh, railing on the boys. Yeah, and I think it's a very gray area, even in the way in which it's defined. Like, you know, this whole idea of you will be tried as an adult if your crime is heinous enough, which came after the 2012, you know, Delhi um, rape case. I think that's also a little like it's it's like a knee-jerk reaction and I think it was the same thing with boys locker room right like when you identify so strongly with what um, a victim or a survivor is going through I think your immediate instinct is punitive because you've seen that systematically things don't work right and then boys locker room turns into men's locker room and then it just goes on and on so I feel like people hold on to the idea of punishment because it feels like that's the only way, you know, like, because you've seen that systemic change usually doesn't end up working out, which is why I feel like maybe they should be held accountable. In what way is like a big question mark? I mean, if we knew, but giving them a free pass because they're teenagers, I think it doesn't make sense to me. Super interesting research study that just came out like two months ago, September of this year. Um, they basically just found that kids who perceive their parents as being loving and who perceive their homes as being loving um, are overall just less likely to engage in cyberbullying. That seems like a super obvious result. But I think to me, the combination of those two things is interesting. Like what stops cyberbullying is not putting kids in jail. What stops cyberbullying is giving people, you know, giving teenagers safe spaces, safe online spaces to sort of engage with each other in loving homes, like it's everything around them. It's all the sort of support structures around them in schools, the, you know, training on digital literacy, what, how to be safe, how to, you know, keep an eye out for your friends, how to not betray people's trust online. Like all of these things are important. I don't know that we're doing any of these things the right way that the adults are. So that's really interesting, Carla, because there's uh, a bit more research about how parents kind of behave toward their teens, like online behavior. Um, because uh, Shushri, you mentioned that, okay, like if, if there are no other options, then we only we will only do punitive things. Uh, if there's no systemic, like 
ways in which we can handle this but i think there is a middle ground there because parents are that middle ground like because that's still individual action right like what happens in, inside your home how do your parents kind of approach your online self um and this pew research study says that a majority of parents um like they they say that they've checked the websites that their teen has visited so like your browser history um a majority of them uh, check their teen social media profile um like uh, uh like a little, slightly less than half like check their teens phones when they are not around like this is surveillance right this is non consensual surveillance i mean it is very far from a loving household when your teen doesn't feel trusted um and doesn't feel like you can, they can open up to you because you are also doing something that's like surreptitious to them um which only increases isolation within a household so when something does go wrong like of course they're not going to come to you because you're not positioning yourself as somebody who is understanding enough to come to and then what happens is punishments also a big deal like one of the biggest now they're almost like a lot of teens have some kind of device on them a majority of parents like punish their teens by kind of limiting their time or taking away their cell phone for i don't know a couple of weeks or whatever i mean in not in not in this particular con- context but like can you tell me a single movie which you have watched in which a parent grounded a teen and it ended up like the teen coming and being like oh i learned so much thank you for grounding me like that has never happened right like they'll go out the window and go meet their friends um so it's definitely not the right approach uh do you guys remember watching this one black mirror episode called archangel uh this is an episode in which uh, the mother plants a chip in her child's head and in that way she can sort of see everything that's happening in her child's life and she can sort of protect the child and uh, the child finds out and she's horrified and she makes her mother promise that you will not see what's happening and then the child sort of sneaks out and she goes and meets her boyfriend and they have sex and the mother sees because like obviously she promised but she's still going to see it's it's gross what happens after that is that uh, the child gets pregnant the mother doesn't want to tell her so she sort of uh, mixes a miscarriage pill in or like a contraceptive pill into her drink and the girl miscarries and she finds out that her mother and and she sort in the end she sort of beats her mother to death so uh it's dark <laughs> but yeah like i mean yeah so it, it's a very 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 grim metaphor for what happens when teenagers don't get like uh for what happens when you sort of surveil your children oh my god way. can we can I like I have goosebumps right now can I steer steer you a little bit away from this grim metaphor to a, something that happens maybe more commonly um I was reporting for this uh, piece about how young people process their emotions online um and uh, uh, the the people I spoke to a lot of them were young people right like 18 to 22 in that age range um and what they said was uh, they almost all of them had like finsters and all twitter accounts where they had blocked their parents and any adult that they ever knew so they could be open about whatever they were thinking so i think online also presents like a very interesting space because essentially it holds an infinite num- amount of space so if your parents like encroach in this one area you can find 10 different spaces that they probably are not tech savvy enough to come to in the next 2 years or whatever so um in that like control uh, and especially like control in a non consensual way like doesn't work because your teens are smart enough to find ways to be online no matter how much you try to control them 
I also just feel kind of annoyed at this like adult policing of teen behavior when no adult has figured out how to behave themselves online. Like, I, I don't understand who are adults to be telling anybody. I don't, did you guys just see earlier this week, there was that thing about uh, Barack Obama's daughter. Okay, so she filmed this TikTok video with her friend, like everybody does where they're doing that little, you know, like a choreographed dance. And there was like a crazy number of right-wing grown-ass men who came out and just like were lambasting her like critiquing i don't even know what they were critiquing right and then somebody tweeted like a response to it and they were like you know something the old white republicans are mad because uh malia obama is young and hot and happy <laughs> you know but just like this idea that like why are we what you know what, what is the problem you know i don't even understand the problem but when it comes to online harassment or cyberbullying or stalking or any of this like criminal or problematic behavior online adults are doing this to each other they're doing it to teens they're doing so i don't think that adults have the moral high ground here or that they've figured it all out but what particularly bothers me sometimes is uh, like uh, i think uh, a lot of teens also sort of some teens that I see uh, posting like uh, on Instagram or even TikTok or Reels, I think some of them even regret not being surveilled, which was really interesting to me. Like in particular, uh, there was there's a lot of kids who talk about this messaging app called Kick, right? And uh, uh, and that messaging app is notoriously known for a lot of adult men grooming young kids on it. And uh, like these kids, obviously they, they participated because A, they had no idea and B, like their parents were, were giving them a certain level of independence and freedom so they could. And they wished that their parents had sort of uh, taken care of them at that point via surveillance so that this wouldn't have happened to them. And uh, some of them even called it like shared trauma for a lot of mill late millennials and Gen Z kids. And uh, I, I wonder why, like... Uh, I mean, I think it goes back to that thing now, like that if you can't, like you are bound to make mistakes, but like if you, if when you do make a mistake, like you can't go to an adult figure and be like, hey, I made a mistake without them kind of berating you for it. Like maybe they come around after two hours of telling you, I told you, so why did you do this? But like, if we could just skip those two hours and go to the caring, loving part and be like, okay, I'll help you fix it. I think that'll just make it easier for people to come out and say, hey, okay, I fucked up. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I feel like we've spoken about like harassment and bullying and all of the negative connotations for a while. But if we look at it on the flip side, if we give teenagers, um, I mean, not a free pass, but I'd say we're more like looking at it more systemically than like individually, we give them a bit of a free pass in that sense, I guess, when it comes to negative behaviors. How do we view like teen activists and social change makers? Like, is it then okay to give their opinions and their activism, like to put that on a pedestal and to take it like seriously? Yeah, 100%. I mean, especially from the climate activism that we've seen, right? With not just with Greta Thunberg, but like literally kids all around the world. Um, the adults weren't paying attention. Like the adults actually like screwed up a lot of stuff. Um, and you needed like the next generation of people who are like will have to live in the world that currently people like who are like adults will leave behind um, so I think it's their voice that is like one of the few that only matters um, because they are the ones who are going to have to kind of reap the 
like this whatever reap the disadvantages of it i actually disagree i don't think we should take uh, teenage activists as seriously as uh, they are taken like, i i agree with the point that rajvi is making in the sense that like uh, in in this particular situation like for example uh, with activists like greta and malala they were the aggrieved party in question and they were talking about issues that directly affected them but i'm like i'm pretty sure greta and malala have like very strong pr machineries and adults behind them who are sort of taking care of everything they speak and making sure that they say the right thing and that they protect themselves a lot of your average teenage activists on the internet don't have that and a lot of times they don't they they're honest and they're very sweet and but they don't really know what they're talking about which is something even uh like it which is something any teenager who grows into an adult like any teenager who sort of uh, came into a lot of uh, social justice and feminism as a teenager like from the past 5 to 10 years or so and now became an adult can say like we none of us knew anything at that point and uh, it's it's best to sort of not take them as seriously as you would an adult but aditi i don't know if i agree with you because i feel like 90% of like activism that is only social media like a majority of those people adults or otherwise also don't really know what they're talking about like they haven't like organized and agitated and educated on like the ground level um so it's mostly like mostly what it comes down to i think is synthesizing of information from different areas be it research or be it other activists Uh, opinions or be it whatever like hot takes or something but a majority of that is from people who do not have experiential uh, knowledge of like what activism means right so if that is the marketplace that's already existed then like why can't teens just be a part of that because essentially everybody else is also doing the same thing only i think it also comes down to the amount of experience you have and the amount of uh, the world that you've seen in a way again it sounds like a very matronly example but like i think the more you sort of uh, look at the world and the more you sort of experience what's happening you tend to have a bit more nuance as compared to like a very young and passionate person who's synthesizing and might have the right opinions but again might not be able to take them to the 100% but then i mean i don't know like I, I guess like you, you're making me start to see your point. But like, what is that age then after which you like start deserving a platform? Like, is there like a certain kind of educational qualification, or is that a certain like amount of number of years after which you can like on social media where things are so kind of blurry? Like, what is an age after which you deserve to have your opinions heard? I can't tell you a correct age in which like a person becomes suddenly becomes the right person. but i don't think it would be anyone below the age of 20 okay i have a i feel like this disagreement yeah. is it has reached its conclusion so i'm going to step in with a question over here right is the best way to segue into asking the question that we started with at the start which is whether teenagers should be accountable for their actions online ultimately what do you think i mean do teenagers need to change some of the behaviors online yes but like when you say accountable in my head that's like synonymous with punishment and so i don't like that but uh, if we can create spaces in which teenagers can be more open about how they behave online then sure like hopefully some of those behaviors can be changed for the betterment of themselves and for the people who engage with them i really love the idea of teens having like unfettered rich beautiful autonomous lives 
Um, I don't like the fact that they sometimes do harm to each other because of their immaturity or their frontal lobes or whatever it is. But I think that that's, um, to a certain extent, the onus is on the adults around them who are shaping and building their worlds and their mindsets to sort of address some of the systemic issues that drive them to that. So I think the nicest example I could think of in this particular situation is, is again, the movie Mean Girls. Uh, particularly towards the end where uh, everybody is sort of uh, everybody sort of knows what everybody's done and like uh, everybody is held accountable for their actions and towards the epilogue the mean girl is sort of asked to uh, transfer her energies from meanness to playing hockey aggressively for some reason and uh, I thought that was really interesting right because like uh, it, uh, it sort of uh, presents to you an alternate situation that isn't punishment, it isn't, uh, it's just sort of care in a way. And uh, I, I think that sort of uh, makes me think that teenagers should definitely be held accountable for their actions because they do make choices. And if they're, make, if they're making choices, they have the possibility to sort of influence or cause hurt to everybody around them. But like teenagers are also growing, right? So I think they get to, they have, when they're held accountable, I think they need to be put in a position where they get to sort of have a second chance. Wow. We, we end this episode by deciding all of us will watch our favorite teen movie, which is being called. And uh, everyone deserves second chances. If you mess up, you should channelize your energies into playing hockey. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like a punishment for me because I Okay, on that note, see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.